At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Havig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates who are fed up with the status quo, and we have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative individuals across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. A lot of our conversations on this show deal with technology and technology's role in healthcare. Some people take technology to be this panacea, this all-consuming, all-knowing force that is going to make all of our lives better. Other people are very allergic to the effects of technology and how it overburdens the patient-physician relationship, makes things harder, too many passwords to remember, I can't access it on my phone, is it an Android or is it an iOS, what kind of computers do I need to be running, is this going to make my doctor's life easier or harder? And I think that's the bottom line that really comes into any type of topic around technology innovation. So today, to help us walk through, really explain why there's a lot of good technological innovation going on that actually makes our lives easier, easier for doctors to take care of their patients, easier for their patients to access information, easier for physicians to talk to one another, and even families to monitor care. All these things are good outcomes when it comes to technology and healthcare. Really, the bottom line is helping humans perform their duties, their jobs, or get the information that they want. So please welcome Wes Cronkite, Chief Innovation Officer at CPSI. And again, Wes, uh, welcome to the show here. I hope I painted you in the right light as one of those good guys out there in the technological universe that are saying, you know what, we can actually make human beings, uh, we can we can help de-stress things and help them do their jobs even just a little bit better, which is going to be worth it in the long run. So welcome to the show, Wes. Thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I, I do hope to uh, to showcase some of the some of the great things we have going on, and, and really being able to make that change in healthcare that, to your point, is is very very needed. Now, you know, in your own words, when we're looking at topics and we're talking, you know, looking at, at individuals here, medical technologies is this wide ranging subject. Give me a little bit of your sense and your background, and and really how you define medical technology in your space and in your experience? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, it's kind of starting from the background perspective. I've been in the healthcare technology world for about 15 years of my 19-year career. Uh, really started off at, at WebMD, right, where there was a lot of effort, you know, about 15 years ago on just getting more information out to the public that used to be kind of hidden behind the walls of of the healthcare delivery system and, and just getting some of that detail in front of, you know, patients, in front of the public, um, and started to get fired up about it then, right? Saw an opportunity to do a lot more, did get some somewhat of a insight into the back of the, you know, back of the process, the back of the factory, and 
what actually went on there and how difficult that made, you know, getting the right information and the right patients at the right time. And that's been a core focus of, of mine is leveraging technology, leveraging data specifically to bring those insights to light for, you know, hospitals and, and provider systems that are working to try to continuously deliver better care, delivered in a financially viable way with all of what hits them from a regulation perspective and all of the various financial stressors that are put on an organization. And then by clearing that air, then refocusing on care and being able to, to make that happen. So I was very excited to join CPSI, I had prior experience with their platform, but saw how they were kind of transforming into this organization that was going after all of those buckets in different ways. And in, in kind of prior roles, I had one of the buckets and could see some of the light to the others. But this opportunity to kind of take that entire holistic look at the healthcare technology industry and bring it forward was huge for me. So I think to directly answer your question around, you know, what is the healthcare technology world for me? It ultimately should be having technology work on behalf of those giving care. And again, supporting them from having the right solutions in place so that that can be done in a, in a financially viable way. These systems are not cheap. They're not uh, by any means. They're typically the, the top line item of any budget for, for a healthcare provider is, is the systems that support them. But if you talk to the ones that are in it day in and day out, the providers, the physicians, the nurses, they don't speak too highly about it. There's just a lot of issues with the data they need being at their fingertips, the amount of screens they have to go through to get what they need to get done. And so I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of a role in an organization that's going after changing that in a multitude of ways. And for a little bit of background, so CPSI, you know, I'll, I'll let you speak to it in your own words, but mostly deals with automation. So there's this, this industry that's fascinating. I mean, you know, from a robotics process automation standpoint or RPA, there's a lot of interesting things that could happen. And so this is not artificial intelligence, right, Wes? This is something where you have mundane screens and buttons to click and you think, wow, wouldn't it be nice if some little piece of programming out there, maybe a robot, could go ahead and do this for me when I'm asleep or you know, do it in the background so that I'm not focused in more administration tasks. I'm actually focused on my highest and best calling. Yeah, that's pretty much it. it, it it's a really good starting point to get after artificial intelligence. But what, what it is doing is taking a lot of those really you know, non-critical thinking, repeatable tasks that you know either people on the back end that are in the back office have to deal with day in and day out to work with payers to get the right you know, payment for the care that was delivered and not have very annoying statements showing up in your mailbox that unfortunately our, our population looks at and says, well, something must have got screwed up because I don't know that much money or, or my insurance company was supposed to cover all of that. Getting that to happen in an effective way does take, unfortunately, in our current model, a lot of administrative kind of back and forths and a lot of administrative burden. But with the ability to put this technology against it and take that off of the plates of the resources that know the right questions to ask these insurance companies, know how to get these, these things cleared up, that's brought a lot of benefit to our healthcare providers that are a part of our organization. That's really gotten to a place where they can focus, uh, the, these resources can focus on having those right conversations in a quick way. So when that statement does show up, it's clean, it's clear, it's understood. And all of that work has been kind of taken care of with technology at the side. So it's an interesting kind of journey to go down. I think that a lot of employees fear the concept of, of RPA, robotic process automation, because 
it's going to take away my job. There's job security concerns. I want to be doing what I'm doing at the end of this. I don't want some robot to take over. And that's not at all the approach nor nor the value proposition of this software. We've let go no employees with the implementation of, of our RPA solutions. What we've done, again, is refocus them on higher value work, which ultimately gets them excited as well. They, they didn't go to school to put a bunch of things in Excel and spend their days doing that. They went to school to understand the ins and outs of the complexities of medical coding and billing and ultimately be able to bring that value to an organization to give some financial backing to struggling hospitals that need that to keep their doors open. I'm a big fan of RPA, again, you know, the robotic processing automation, for that reason you just said. This isn't burdensome technology where, hey, you got to go learn a new system and then you got to click these buttons and people don't really see, well, is this really a big, you know, and I'm speaking about implementing like a like a new AMR or something on those lines that, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize the benefit of, of switching and it's more of a pain in the butt than anything like that. But from an RPA standpoint, if I'm sitting here saying, you know, I'm wasting two hours a day just inputting data, wouldn't it be nice if I could have a robot that does this? You know, we've seen it countless industries, automobiles, assembly lines, cars are getting better and cheaper. And you know, there are usually direct economic consequences or fallout to this. You mentioned job loss, but from the other side, when healthcare professionals aren't spending as much time doing basic mundane tasks, does that allow them to spend more time actually delivering care and high value, creating a better patient experience, potentially lowering the costs? I don't know, I, I don't know how uh, hospital administrators hate to hear that. Anything that doesn't drive up a price, you know, it seems like it doesn't get through there. So what are some other advantages to RPA in a medical environment that really, like you said, does not lead to anybody's losing their job? But again, getting people to the highest and best uses of their, um, I guess, brain power, you know. So what other uses are you seeing besides just mundane tasks? You know, you mentioned spreadsheets, but just give us an idea of what else that could mean. Yeah, I think the next kind of journey that we're going to be going down here, and we, we actually opened up what we've called the Dream Factory here at, at CPSI and announced that at our national conference, we had 800 or so of our um, customers that run you know, rural and community hospitals across, across the country and, and some international um, presence as well, kind of came to the table and gave us their pain points. And a lot of them were around having multiple screens and having to go through that while delivering care not having the data they needed in, in the system itself because either it was too costly or an interface couldn't be built for that particular need that they needed to pull from. So the benefit at the bedside, right, for the docs that are delivering this care is they will be able to have faster and better information and data and not have to go through multiple screens to get to it and the pain of working through the technology to ultimately do what they need to do to document the care they're delivering and also bring, bring the insights they need to know about somebody's you know, background history and right to the forefront in a way that's much more seamless and, and an easier user experience like you see in other industries right outside of healthcare. And so we are seeing an opportunity and taking in a lot of those ideas and, and the general theme of if we could just simplify the way they interact with the systems, with the EHRs and the different interfaces that come into play, their world gets a lot easier an RPA is a, is a very lightweight lift to make that happen. Now, sometimes it can be a Band-Aid, right? Sometimes it can be, 
well, yes, we can get RPA to do that because, again, it's happening in Excel or email or fax or some other terrible method. We can get it to do it for a little while, but ultimately that interface really does need to be built. So outside of RPA, we also are taking a big push into the cloud to be able to get that data free and out of these systems so that it can talk back and forth to all the platforms needed to you know, deliver care in a, in a complex environment. And so we think RPA is the starting point once we can get that data where it needs to be and, and talking the way it needs to talk to these different systems, then we really also can tear down some of the RPA ultimately, which is a little little awkward to say to, to our RPA development team, but they're getting comfortable with the fact that, yeah, some of these things may just need to exist for six months until we can get what we need from a, the actual data in, in the right way, talking back and forth, and then, and then we'll really see some additional value. I actually like the mindset that, hey, I'm going to build, 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 build in order to get to the next iteration. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to teach somebody how to do my job better than I can so I can move on to something, you know, higher and better. So I love that mentality, right? I think that's the greatest gift that really kind of the Western Western mindset has, has ever given somebody is like your most value is as a teacher and as a builder to build something better, leave a legacy so you can move on besides it, not be somebody who's just going to say, well, this is the way we've always done it. I'm the only person who knows how to do it. So therefore, I have job security. So I love that mentality, you know, just from a, a personal and business standpoint. Along those veins, let me ask this, because you mentioned AI, and this is kind of a stepping stone into artificial intelligence in the future. How far away is your work in developing RPA to just fully calling it AI? Is that something that you can see happening, where it's able to kind of generate its own things? Or... Are we still at the point where we have to tell that computer, that robot, that piece of software exactly each step? And if it runs into a problem, then it kind of breaks down. Yeah, I can see it for sure. I, I think, again, it's broken through a lot faster in other industries. And you, you see that with technology in general. I think healthcare is usually about five years behind other industries. Or in, more. In being, or more <laughs> in, some, in some corners of being able to, to effectively you know, get what, what's expected out of its, its end users. Uh, but the, the path that's set there is, again, a, a mix of having these bots that can emulate all of these tasks and, and ultimately be the hands on the keyboard for our end users or, or for our, our teams. But then it's a it's a ability to put the brain in as well, and that's where the AI comes into play. So we say now that robots can't make decisions, but we also have great decision support AI technologies out there that can see what's coming, can predict it at a high level, ultimately to to the level of a human or potentially beyond. And then when we can put that decision making in, in the bot, then it can make decisions that, that we feel comfortable with and our customers feel comfortable with and just take action. And I do think that that'll open up uh, an entire new world of us being able to, to solve you know, some of the problems around interoperability that have sat around healthcare for decades. And you know, it's one of the, from my perspective, one of the most depressing parts of, of going to a conference like a HIMSS is to go through that interoperability before and just not see much changing year over year. And being able to do that now with the power of technology and cloud technology that can scale up and make those decisions millions and millions of times and really understand all the aspects of what's going on you know, with the patient or in a financial setting and know what's coming and be able to react to it immediately is, is ultimately the goal. So that's kind of like a, a path to the hot buzzword on that is hyper automation, but being able to take those insights coming from the data and predictive models and data science, 
put that in as the brain of the robot and then see how they can work through making those decisions, you know, clearly with a lot of oversight, but once we feel comfortable that, that it's doing it the right way 99% of the time, then we will light that up and, and put that value into, into our customers' hands. We're talking to Wes Cronkite, the Chief Innovation Officer at CPSI. Wes, you just touched upon interoperability. I'm glad you went there because that's exactly you know what I want to spend some time talking about. It seems like there are a lot of barriers in healthcare, not just from you know stagnant processes or employees or people kind of stuck in the old-fashioned way of doing things that, hey, this is the way we do it because we've always done it that way. It doesn't have any place in the modern day or anything in the future. But the interoperability, and I hear this a lot, that this system doesn't talk to this system and I need a bajillion logins and then I got to go through a forgot password. None of that is conducive to streamlined operations. And, you know, if you're talking to a patient and they're like, yeah, my doctor couldn't log in because he forgot his password and then had to get, you know, check on his phone to do something. I mean, it's just an absolute mess. So I just read, you know, the headlines that the U.S. government is really pushing a lot of pressure on cell phone manufacturers to incorporate the same plugins. And I kind of laughed on thinking, all right, so I'm not a big fan of regulatory heavy-handedness or anything like that. But I would say from an industry standpoint, there are advantages to using the same type of technology. I mean, look at any computer that has a USB port on it. Okay, so the power cords are all different. Fine, do your own thing. But as far as moving devices and, and little ancillaries back and forth, it's all pretty much the same. Why is the healthcare technology world so resistant to being able to do that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of macro level reasons why that is, but they're not unsolvable. So I think that you mentioned regulations and the regulatory kind of scene in healthcare. Um, They are going after, you know, the government is going after trying to enforce these standards, trying to bring that to the table. But there is so much that hits every year of new changes due to those regulations that causes, you know, the systems that are built, the the monolithic EHRs that are out there, they just have to spend so much time keeping up with what's being put out on that front that they lose the focus and the ability to kind of dig in and and really, you know, head after building out these these interoperability solutions and and making that the strategy. So they're chasing the next revenue event. Exactly. And this code's now valuable. So, hey, everybody, we've got to tell everybody that yeah. if someone's coughs, it's, it's this code, not this code anymore, because it pays a dollar more. Yeah, yep. there's definitely a money chase element to it as well. Yep. Um, and then and then just the the kind of origin of, of the EHRs in general and, and how that has kind of become, well, if I keep building on more and more and I keep making this broader and broader, I'll solve more of the hospital's problems and they'll choose me. I think some of that's hitting a point where that's no longer the way modern kind of technologists are thinking about this problem. I think that we're getting to a place where more and more solutions outside of healthcare are turning towards a platform-based model, right? So instead of having one huge monolithic system that answers everything and hopefully talks to everything it needs to talk to, to step above that and actually say, well, in, in actuality, you know, think of like a Salesforce, right? That's a a CRM tool at its core, but most companies that leverage Salesforce have it doing hundreds of other things that aren't built by Salesforce, but because they have that core CRM data set, they can make it happen. They have the keys to that kingdom to then go and make these other technologies really light up and work and answer customer problems. 
I think healthcare has to, to get to the same place. They have to be able to bring that data out of the EHR into kind of a more platform environment, use the standards that are available, like the HL7 fire standard is kind of the, the, the most hot one right now. Ironically, <laughs> great name for, I, I don't think they thought of that when they, when they named no it. No pun intended. No, no pun, pun intended, intended. But it is, I mean, it is now the, the one that can answer the most questions around the data that's needed to support all of the technology solutions that are needed for, for a provider. Um, and being able to get that up into a platform layer really helps to be able to make that interoperability problem start to go away. Because now that you've got, yes, your core EMR functions are going to sit within that system. But now that you've pulled the data out, instead of adding more and more to the system and making it bigger and bigger, if you've got it at that level where you can put it into a platform, now you can have to start to have conversations of, okay, well, this is the, you know, this is the lab software I actually want to use. So this is the nursing documentation tool that I really enjoy. That, all, that typically hits a wall very quickly today because a ton of money and a ton of investments going into the, the healthcare tech world right now. But a lot of these startups are popping up in a way where they just can't talk to the systems the way they need to because that data isn't available through through a mechanism that's that's you know modern and and API based. So a lot of them hit a wall right there. I think that some of the thought leaders in the space are really saying, you know, maybe the future isn't just one huge system that answers all your problems that costs millions of dollars and takes forever to implement. But maybe there's a way in which we can just use the data and the power within that data get it into a standard model and a unified data model and have that feed everything that's needed in an effective way. So you can have that Salesforce experience in healthcare um, and, and, you know, all the benefits that come with it. I think that's the multi-billion dollar question is healthcare is just why, why can't these two systems just talk to each other? Just make these computers just talk to each other. It's like, well, it's, it's a lot of complexity there. You know, you mentioned data. It's amazing that, you know, you collect the same information about somebody, no matter what, EMR or anything like that you're using from a health standpoint, yet when you go to export, you can see each one has totally different stuff. And I think that's been a struggle from a population health standpoint, which, you know, people listen to the show and I'm not a huge fan of it. I think there's a lot of insights to be driven from it, but those outliers are human lives and that's never a fun conversation. They're not just bad lemons or vehicles that, you know, need to need to come back to the factory for repairs. These are human lives. But there is a lot of information we could gain, you know, speaking from a pandemic standpoint that who are the actual people getting sick? Who are the actual people dying? Who needs to get, you know, vaccinated first? What, what is going on here that we just missed because of that complete issue that you just talked about right there? So paint us a picture for the future. Say if all these systems talk together, you know, we're able to put robots or AI into place to make sure everybody is getting the information that they want to in real time. What does that look like from the healthcare standpoint? from a dollar saved to an hour saved to just quality of life from patients and doctors? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the end game there will be, you know, hit, hitting on all those mechanisms you just mentioned, right? It, it should be a more financially viable technology stack that doesn't require massive amounts of, of IT staff to keep running on the hamster wheel to keep the thing alive, but leveraging the, the power that's available in cloud technologies to easily stand up what you need to stand up, implementation times dropping from years to months, and then being able to, to solve the problems that, that healthcare industry has in, in, in a real way. And I think that, you know, the pandemic experience kind of 
push the envelope on that pretty heavily with the <laughs> the ability to overnight need to to be able to do you know telehealth and and vaccine record. Well, a lot of that know, was was regulatory. It was yeah, you know a lot of what you just said was regulatory. It was a stroke yeah. of a pen, and now boom, there's this big kind of a blossom of implementing technology that existed for 35 years. But, you know, we don't talk about that from the yeah, virtual exactly. standpoint. But and I don't, yeah, I don't think that door is going to shut again. I think that it's now been I don't think blown open. And I don't think, it can, I don't think it can shut again. So that relief has helped a ton as well of being able to, to go after these solutions. And now more of the problem, at least kind of refocusing on the patient side, which I know is where a lot of your, your conversations kind of lead to of, just you know, treating the, the patients better in, in this whole ecosystem, they also don't want an experience where they're logging into five different portals to go to a doctor visit or they get the, the dreaded clipboard even though they filled out all of that information ahead of time in a, in a pre-scheduling app. It's just the, the pain that's there today just shouts out a need for you know, some form of, a, of an interoperability answer in combination with great patient-facing technology that has one answer, one record, one ability to say, okay, this is the solution set that's required for these patients through their entire experience. Um, and so where we're, where we're heading there and where a lot of forward-thinking companies, it's actually taken off a lot larger in the, in the international space because they have the, the ability to push these things faster in, in you know, single-payer kind of regions. But the digital front door is, is the next kind of venture there. So that, that concept of having one answer for every interaction with a patient, whether it's before their visit, during their visit, afterward for lab results, and even paying their bill at the end of the day, is a great strategy that is taking hold. And again, it, it does require a lot of back and forth talking because there isn't one big answer for all the patient-facing tech. But to be able to do that effectively will ultimately win the day where we'll have patients well aware and, and experiencing the care the way they want to on a mobile device, seeing everything that's going on, being able to check in on their loved ones and be able to say, hey, how's grandma doing in her nursing home and, and not have to have that be a, a wait for a weekly conference call kind of a, a experience that causes a ton of stress and anxiety when you've got a, a loved one, you know, ultimately in, in care um, in, in some setting. Wes Cronkite, Chief Innovation Officer at CPSI. Wes, I appreciate you joining us here on Healthcare Americana. I wish you the best of luck. I like your vision of, hey, really, this is where actual beneficial technology can take us. This is what it can save us. This is kind of how it can make our lives better. So I appreciate you doing what you're doing. And uh, don't be a stranger. And again, thanks for reaching out to us. And if anybody out there has ideas for the show, reach out to us. That's what Wes did. We had a great chat about it. So, Wes, once again, thank you for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. All right, Christopher, thanks so much. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, buy an awesome T-shirt on our online store. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. 
Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.